Good morning, everybody. Welcome back, Barry. Today, Bezat Shem will be learning Dafnun Dalit in Maseches Bavakama, which means that, well, not to look at that tomorrow. Let's, let's enjoy today. We're five lines up from the bottom of the Gimel and Bez, the two dots. Fine, I'll tell you. Tomorrow we might finish the parak, guys. And then we start Hakoinis, which in yeshivas, at least in Israel, in the Chadarim, they start anywhere between fifth and eighth grade, you learn Hakoinis. Hakoinis, Hamafgid. Uh, these are the classic Eilam obviously the classic Prakim you start with. But anyway, what, what do we say? The Mishnah had said that you don't pay, this is already something that we're used to, we understand that we pay Nezikin for animals to fall into a bore. The Baal Habor pays for the Nezikin, whatever damage happens to the animal, but not the damage that happens to Kalim. That second part that says that you're not, uh, you don't pay for damages to Kalim and a boar happens to be a machlokas because either a bonnet hold that. But that's how we, that's how we paskin. Uh, happens to be Rabbi Yehuda holds that you do pay for Nizke Kalim and boar. Let's dig in. Says the Gemara. Masis and Deloka, Rabbi Yehuda, our mission is not like Rabbi Yehuda because our mission says that you don't pay for Nizke Kalim and the boar. However, the Tanya, the Bryce says Rabbi Yehuda, Machayev on Nizke Kalim and boar. Rabbi Yehuda would say that if again, you, some sort of clothing or Pottery, as we'll see, it might be very specific, falls into a bore, the Bala bore will have to pay for that damage. So where are they learning these halachas from? Says the Gemara, my time of the Rabbanon, where did the Rabbanon learn it? The Amar Krav, Nafal Shama Shor or Chamor, right? When the Pasuk talks about the bore and the damages therein, it says, V'chiv tach ish bore, ochichre ish bore, v'loi chasenu, right? If you open up a bore, you don't cover it, v'nafal shama shor or chamor. It says, if a shor or chamor fall in, so that sounds like only animals would be something that you would have to pay for if they fall into a bore. Indeed, that's how they're bottom line the Pasuk. Says the Gemara, Shor velo Adam, Chamor velo Kalim. For some reason, Shor excludes human beings, which is to say, if a human being falls into, if a person falls into a bore, the Baal bore isn't high for the damages on that person. Chamor velo Kalim. And if a donkey falls in, the Pasuk is coming to exclude Kalim. Okay, we're going to see Exactly what it means, but let's keep going. Rabbi Yehuda doesn't learn it that way. He says, Oh, Lerabos is like Kalim. Wait a minute. Oh, so in the words, Shor, Oh, Chamor, the word Oh is actually coming to include Kalim as being something that you're responsible for. For Rabbanon, how do they learn the word Oh? So for that, you have to go to Nindal and Madalaf. Here we go. Oh, Mibai Leila Chalik. As Rashi says, L'chalik means as follows, says Rashi, that well, if it hadn't said the word O, then you would have thought that in order to be chayv and abor, the donkey and the ox have to fall in together. And that's the only scenario where you'd have to be chayv. That's what you would have thought. So we have the word O is very valuable. It teaches you that either one, if it fell in, you'd be chayv even if they fell in on their own. That's what it means, Omi Vaila Lachalik. Okay. Rabbi Huda, Lachalik me Venafal Nafka. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Rabbi Huda says, well, it says Venafal Sham Shor Chamor. Nafal is in the singular, right? So obviously, if it would have been the Shor and the Chamor, and that's what it would have necessitated for, in order to obligate the Balabor to pay, it would have said Venaflu Shor Vachamor, right? So obviously, if the word Venafal is written in the singular, so then it's an indication that only one of them needs to fall in in order to be Chayev. So how does how does Rabbanon handle that? It says Rabbanon v'nafal tuva mashma nafal 
can be used in the singular even if it applies to multiple things. As Rashi gives you other examples. Look at that second line, Rashi. Like, right? Together, right? We're building something. And it says it in the singular, even though it was two people together doing it. Ve'asa is in the singular. So v'naf al shor v'chamor might mean that both the shor and the chamor need to, uh, need to fall in. Right? Uvaha osram ofes. You, you see, right? You see the different, um, different examples that Rashi gives. What's this, uh, what's this, uh, shas? What's this, uh, hagosa bach? I don't know. Okay, now why is, why is this in this brackets in Rashi? I'm just not sure. I, I suddenly got curious. Okay, but anyways, the point is we have examples where, um, we have examples where it's in the singular, according to their bottom, and Vinafal would not have necessarily taught you that it has to be either the Shor or the Hamar. It could even be applying to the Shor and the Hamar together, and therefore you don't need the word O, uh, and therefore the word O is used, right? So, so according to Behuda, Right, uh, you need to have you're going to be chayev in the right. So shor velo adam chamar velo kalem is in the case of the runner, whereas Rabbi Huda is going to say o. The word o is going to be larabos es ha kalem. Okay, good. Three lines down. Now the question is, ema v'nafal klal shor v'chamar prat. The Gemara is now going to take a closer look at this Pasuk, right? Because we just said that, what? We're chayev for uh, any kind of animal, as we'll see, and any kind of damage that happens to the animal. Let's look closer at the Shittas Rabbanon, right? The Pasuk says, Menafal Shor or Chamor. Okay, so the Rabbanon say there has to be an animal. But we have to figure out what type of animal are you going to be chayef for in a bar? It sounds like any type of animal. But the Pasuk only said shor of a chamor. So we just analyzed why their abundant exclude kalim. But we have to look a little closer because we have an idea of a klal upratu klal. And let's see how that would apply to this v'nafal shor of chamor as follows. Says the gemar. V'nafal will be the klal. Okay? So if you look at the Pasuk, that means that anything falling into the boar, the balabor should be chayef. V'nafal, good. Shor v'chamor, prat. Shor v'chamor, v'nafal sham shor v'chamor, it means uh, either an ox or a donkey falls in. Klalu prat. Now you have your specifications. Now anything that falls in, it would have to be similar to a donkey or an ox, right? As the Gemara continues to say. Ein b'klal elamash prat, Right? Well, once you have a prat klal, what is the din, Barry? You say, shor v'chamor in, midi achorina lo, right? After all, the Pasuk gave you a generalization. And then it gave you two examples. Shor v'chamor are very similar. Like what happens if a goldfish falls in? What happens, right, if a Tweety bird falls in? That's not similar to shor v'chamor, is it? And yet you'd be chayev. So how do you understand how are there a button going to extend um, this falling in, animals falling in to all other animals. That's the question of the Gemara, right? After all, it sounds, if you, all you do is take the klal and then reduce it to shor v'chamor, it sounds like it would have to be something only similar to shor v'chamor. Says the Gemara, Amrei bal habor yishalev. Aha, right? Because in Shmos chaf aleph lamed dalid, which is the next pasuk, after it says v'nafal shom shor v'chamor, it says, 
The Baal Abor Yishalem is a continuation. This is going to be a Klal Uprat Uklal. Right? I say, Baal Abor Yishalem, Chazar Vechlal, Klal Uprat Uklal. Baal Abor Yishalem sounds like you'll pay for everything. But wait a minute. Says the Gemara, Klal Uprat Uklal, Iyatadan Elakeina Prat. When you say Klal Uprat Uklal, so again, a generalization is it fell in. We don't know what fell in. Shor Vechamor, that's the Prat. The detail. And then another general, generalization, So now, uh, that's very general indeed. So now, everything that falls in has to be ke'en ha'prat, right? It has to be like the shore of a chamor. What's the similarity? Says the Gemara, ma ha'prat meforish ba'lechaim, afko ba'lechaim. Well, that's controversial, right? The prat, what's the detail? Shor v'chamor. Shor v'chamor are alive. So anything that's going to be a living creature is going to, you're going to be chayef for if it falls in. So that excludes Caleb. But wait a minute. Human beings are living creatures. Uh, amoeba are living creatures. What's going to happen here? So says the Gemara. This is the question of the Gemara. The Gemara is asking as follows. A behemoth, right, is going to convey tuma, right, the nevela of a behemoth is going to be metame bemaga uvamasa, right? Um, that's true of a behemoth. It's true of a chaya also, right? So if you have domesticated animals, if you have non-domesticated animals, but like big animals, when they die, right, their nevela, their carcass, is going to make you tummy if you touch it or if you move it. However, right, avalofos, uh, low birds, right, uh, if you see the carcass of a bird and you touch it, you don't become tummy. I don't know if you know that. Um, in the case of a kosher bird, the only way you become tame from nevela is if you actually swallow it, Rahman Atzlan. Okay, and, and ironically, a non-kosher bird, you're not going to become tame at all. Okay, so what does that teach you? That it is indeed true that shor and chamor are unique. Shor and chamor are like these big animals, we'll call them. And therefore, maybe only big animals should be chayev when they fall into a boar. But if a little goldfish or a birdie falls into a boar, then maybe you shouldn't be chayev for that. Because after all, how do you understand the, the prat? How do you understand shor v'chamor? It sounds like those are only exclusive to big animals. Only they should be chayev for falling into a boar. Well, says the Gemara, Imkain, if it was true that only animals similar to a shor v'chamor in the sense that they're conveying tumah uh, would be chayev in a boar, then nichtar v'chamana chad prata. Then the Torah would have only written either a uh, shore or a chamor. But by actually uh, including more than one, by including both the shore and the chamor, it's telling you that it's more than just the tumma animals, it's including all animals. Wow. That's why you have both the shore and the chamor. So now the Gemara asks, hey, Nechtov, are you sure? Are you sure that we could have written just shore or chamor? And then, and then we would have learned, right? You're following? So, in other words, the reason why we have both shore and chamar, by including the extra one, we're including all animals. So, the Gemara, wait a minute. We had another possible reason to include the extra one. Why? Because which one would we have written? Just shore? Just chamar? Watch what happens if you only write one of them, says the Gemara. Shore is unique because you can bring a korban with it. Right? Chamar, you don't never bring on the Mizbech, Andrew. Don't try to bring a donkey as a carbon. That you'll never do. 
Well, so if you had just written shor, you would have thought the only thing that you're going to be high for in a bar is if some sort of animal that's ro'oi to go on top of the mizbeach falls in. That's if we had just written shor, okay? Because of Rechman HaChamor, and if we had just written the donkey, have I mean a Kaddish B'Vchorah in, she'en Kaddish B'Vchorah lo. You know, there's something called Bechor. You ever hear the concept Petr Chamor? Right? So as Rashi says, watch this. She'en Kaddish B'Vchorah lo, she'en Kaddish B'Vchorah lo, she'en Kaddish Right? There's Petachamor by a donkey. There's, there's uh, an idea of Bechoros, right? We have to learn the Mishnahis. There's a whole Masechta uh, called Bechoros, right? So you have to learn the details of Bechoros. But not every animal is subject to the Kedusha of the firstborn. Uh, Shor, for example, is not. Susim and Gamalim. Uh, maybe Shor is. Shor is, I think. Yeah. But Susim and Gamalim are not, says Rashi. Okay. Well, what happens if a, if a horse or a or a uh, camel falls in? Right. So obviously, you would think if a horse or a camel falls in, they'd be chayiv. Well, if it had only written chamor, then you would have thought that that only animals where, that are subject to the kedusha of the firstborn are you going to be chayiv for? So it has to be that. We, ha- we include short to teach you that that's not true. We have the extra short. So that's why if you'd written short, it would be just something that's on a mizbech. If you'd written chamor, you'd think some things are subject to the kedusha of the firstborn. And so in order to teach you that it's not limited to those two, but rather any animal that falls in is going to be, uh, you're going to be chaya for. So for that reason, you wrote short v'chamor. But watch this. Once you've written short v'chamor, and you have to write both Shor v'chamor, you can no longer say that the reason why both Shor and Chamor are there are to include birds. <laughs> because there's other reasons to include them. See what's going on? In other words, we thought that the reason why we have both Shor and Chamor is to teach you that it's to include all the animals in the animal kingdom. But we have more pressing reasons to include both Shor v'chamor because each one in its own right is so unique, one, because it has the Kedusha of, of, of the firstborn, and the other because it goes on the Mizbeach, that really they, you need one to teach the other, and you might still be limited to only animals that are conveying Tumah. That's the point, okay? So by the necessity of having both Shor and the Chamor, we still don't know why birds, for example, would be included as something that you'd be high for if it fell into a bar. Says the Gemara, yeah, you know what, you're right. We, we may need to have a different uh, limud to teach you the birds of Chayev, as follows. Aha. When the Pasuk continues, right? So now we're completing in the, in the two Pasuk sequence, we finally get to the end, and it says, anything that's a sentient being, Andrew, anything that dies, which means anything that's initially alive and then dies, is going to be something that you'll be high for in a bar. Not a kli, okay, but anything that dies. Wait a minute. Human beings are alive, and then they die. So why are you not high in the bar? So let's see. We're going to ask that. So first of all, the Gemara asks, First of all, if that's true, so then everyone should be might kalim. Kalim now, according to Rabbanon, who say that you're not chayev for, for a kli, according to Rabbi Yehuda, who says that you are chayev in a kli, how does Rabbi Yehuda hold 
that you're chayev for a kli. We just said that we that you're chayev for a kli according to Rabbi Huda, uh, because of the extra shor v'chamor. But now that we're going through this whole analysis of shor v'chamor, we see that only living beings should be chayev for. So where does Rabbi Huda come off saying that you're chayev for a kli? It says the Gemara Amri Shri Rasan Zuhi Misasan. In that first mention of Bor, we already Rashi quoted this famous idea. Now you see the locus classicus. This is the source, right? Rabbi Huda holds that you're chayev for kli because even though a kli is not really alive, when it breaks, it's like it dies, and it's like a living being in that thing. Really? Asks the Gemara. Okay. What kind of alive? Let's go back. It's like impossible to get out of bore, pun intended, without discussing Rav Shmuel, if you remember. Rav famously said that it's the foul air that is causing the hezek. Shmuel says it's the impact on the ground that's causing the hezek, with a lot of other right details around that. But, but just getting back to the core machlokas between Rav and Shmuel, if it's the foul air, right? How is foul air killing a kli? <laughs> right? That could only be killing living things, right? Are, are utensils alive such that it's the foul air that's killing them? It seems that if you're going to treat a kli like a living thing and you're going to say, well, guess what, buddy? The shvira only happens when it hits the ground. It sounds a lot like Shmuel. Right, that it's the impact on the ground that's killing it. Rav is going to have an issue here. That court, Rav is going to have an issue within Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that the kalim, oh, you're going to be chayiv in the bar. Rabbi Yehuda is going to have a really tough time because he thinks that it's the foul air that's killing whatever it's, is dying in there. And how does foul air kill kalim? Sorry, Rav is having an issue with Rabbi Yehuda. So the Gemara Amri bechadati, unbelievable, as Rashi says, chadati is chadashim, right? Because the letters are interchangeable. New earthenware utensils, the mifkari mehavla. They sometimes burst from explosion to foul air, which is to say that a Rav is very limited. When Rav is going to have to say there, Behuda, when he says that Yechai Vakalim and Abor, it only has to be Kalim that actually do get uh, injured, so to speak, by foul air. Wow. Which is uh, new earthenware utensils. So, according to uh, Rav, fascinatingly, Behuda's application of the Chiv, what you be high for in your in your pit is going to be limited to those kalim, perhaps? Or maybe you'll say, no, because there's certain types of kalim that get exploded by foul air, then that's why he's going to say that all kalim will be chayv. But be that as it may, that is the analysis of Rabbi Huda, who says that you're chayv for kalim. Now, we're going to say, wait a minute. We still have to go a little bit deeper into, all, into this pit. So we quoted this sort of Climax of the Pesukim, he says, you have to pay for everything, right? That anything that's alive, right? That's a lima that teaches you that if it's alive and it could die in the bar, then you should be chai for it. So says the Gemara, you need the Vamesiyalo to teach you something else. We just use it to teach you that anything that's alive gets, you pay for. But Rava needs it for something else. Maybe we don't have it available to teach us that. Uh, what does Rava need it for? Dama Rava, shor pesule mikdash and shnafalabar, pater. Something that we already learned. We learned the idea. I didn't explain it very well the first time, and I don't even know if Barry was here. So let's explain it a little bit better this time. If an if a ox becomes puzzle, okay, then it's then it's then it's going to be a putter. In other words, if an ox that was meant to go and be 
and, and go to, if an ox was made mukdash, right, and was meant to be brought as a korban, okay? Let's look at Rashi. Sula mukdashan, shenifda. Okay, and then it becomes puzzle. So obviously it was supposed to be brought as a korban, then it becomes puzzle. Now you can't bring it as a korban, obviously, right? So you're podeit. Says the Gemara, Ein Hamisa Shalo, the Kaimlan Bechoros in Perak Beis. We learn it in Bechoros, the aforementioned Masechta. Gabi Psulei Hamukdashin, Laachar Pijonot, Tizbach, Velo Giza Basar, Velo Chalav, Veachata, Velo Laklavecha. Okay? So there's a, there's a very important halacha when it comes to the Psulei Hamukdashin. Okay? That if it falls into a bore, it's not really yours. Right, as we said, right, you can't eat it and you can't drink its milk, right? So you don't get any compensation if it's die if it dies. See what I'm saying? It's quoting the uh, it's quoting Bacharos and explaining that again it was supposed to be going to the as a korban and then it became puzzle. So you kind of need to be poda it. But what, even once you pose it, pota it, you can't use its meat, you can't drink its milk, right? Uh, you can't feed it to the dogs, right? This thing was previously Kadosh. Well, it's, therefore you don't have full ownership of it, okay? This is a fuller explanation of what we were trying to say before. Well, once you can't use it as, he, as you please, right? That means that the mace isn't really shallow, right? You don't have full ownership of this unique case of Psulei Mikdashim. And, right, that is what Rava learned from Vehamesi Yelo. So again, let's put it all together. Again, there is a case of Psulei Mikdashim. Psulei Mikdashim are a unique case that were initially consecrated to bring as a korban and then became puzzle and then you redeemed it. Such an animal cannot be simply used as a hamburger. It can't be used, you can't use the milk. You have to actually treat it Right in a way that is because it had already been designated for the base of Mikdash. And therefore, it doesn't really fully own, it's not really fully owned by its master. Now, since it's not really fully owned, if said animal, and this is the case that we were discussing, I believe it was yesterday, when we were saying, well, such an animal, if it gores another animal, or if it falls into a pit, it's considered ownerless. Since it's ownerless, you don't pay for it. You don't, you don't, um, it doesn't have to pay. If that animal would fall, if that animal after all of this was consecrated, it became puzzle, and then was, was redeemed, and then it falls into a boar and dies. You will not have to, as the bala boar, pay for that animal. Because why? Because that animal was technically ownerless. Right, the owner of the boar wouldn't have to pay if such an animal fell into its boar because that animal is not really technically attributed to an owner that gets compensated for it. Okay, that's the halacha. That's the halacha of Rava. Where does Rava learn that halacha? Well, the hames ye lo ein hames shelo. That the only case, the old right hames ye lo, the climax of those two psukim is teaching it right. It is teaching you that the animal that falls into the bar has to be owned by somebody in order for that somebody to be compensated for it. So even though Andrew was the original owner of this animal, and even though Andrew uh, already redeemed the animal, by the very fact that he already was Mekadashit, he's already relinquished uh, true ownership of it, 
And so if that animal fell into Barry's pit, Andrew would not be compensated. All of this is learned from Vamesi Elo. So we already have the Pasuk of Vamesi Elo, the teacher of this special Allah of Rava. But once you have that Pasuk, the teacher of the special Allah of Rava, we can't use that Pasuk to teach you that all living things must be paid for in a bar. That's what the, that's where this is all headed. So the Gemara now is to search for another Pasuk to teach you that everything gets paid for in a bar as follows. It says the Gemara, El Amar Krak Kesef Yashiv Levalov. Wow. How do we know that everything that animals other than ox or donkey get paid for? It says, you have to pay the owner money. It says the Gemara, the rabbis call the Isle Bailam. Anything that has Ba'alav, anything that's owned, is going to be paid for. Well, we've come full circle. Because now you have to pay for everything. It says the Gemara, <laughs> everything's going to have to be paid for. Kalim and Adam in this case, let's say, would be. Uh, a slave, right? Anything that's owned will be paid for. Amakrat, shor, velo adam, chamor, velo kalim. Bring their button back around that the shor and the chamor are coming to limit this idea that everything needs to really be paid for, but not necessarily, right, but only living things. Not kalim, not adam, but all living things, right? Kesef, yeshiv, love any living thing, uh, or really anything that's owned, is going to have to be paid for, but short of are limited to all living things. So the Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda, the Kamarabi, the Lokalim. So wait a minute. Okay, so now, short Velo Adam, Chamor Velo Kalim. Rabbi Yehuda, we say, holds that you are high for Kalim. So Vishlam, Shor, Mad, Be, Adam. El Chamor, Maima, Amit, Be. So I can understand. Shor is to exclude a human being. Chamor, what is it going to come to exclude? In other words, it's not coming to exclude Kalim, according to Rabbi Yehuda, because Rabbi Yehuda holds that you are high for Kalim. So the Gemara Elam, Rava Chamor Debar LeRabbi Yehuda, Besed Aveda LeDivre Hakol Kasha. Rava, what is he doing here, Barry? He's conceding, right? We just figured out the Rabbanon in exquisite precision. <laughs> Shor is excluding, right? Uh, Shor is excluding Adam. Chamor is excluding Kalim. That's according to the Rabbanon, but Rabbi Yehuda does not exclude Kalim. So what does he do with Chamor? That's really a good question. What is it excluding? Rav said, you're right. I never figured it out. The chamor of bor by Rabbi Yehuda, chamor devor of Rabbi Yehuda, is a real conundrum. I don't know what he uses it for. And there's another example of something that I don't know once we're talking about that. Said the Aveda. Said the Aveda is a different thing. These are loose strings that we have issues with, says Rashi, right? Look at this. Said the Aveda. Look at five lines up for the bottom. Kem dechsev l'chol avedas achicha. Um, I think this is a misprint in Rashi. It says Vishle It doesn't. It doesn't say Vesimla. Oh, uh, so Rashi got it right. Okay, Vesalma. I always thought of Simla, like a like a clothing. What's that? Simla is a dress, right? It says, but, but, but Barry's pointing out that in the Pasuk it says Salma, right? He's a Balkari. Okay, be that as it may, yeah, it's a dress, but it, it means clothing, uh, Andrew. But the point is, Chamor Vishor Vesev Salma, right? Anyway, the point is, that's Eli Matthias, right? But Rashi points out in the last line here on Nandal Madalfi. Darshina lahulakulu bar In other words, we were able to figure out why it says chamor. We were able to figure out why it says shor. 
We were able to figure out what's his sama. We'll get to Elam Matthias, Bezrat Hashem, right? So, but we never figured out why it had to also include Seh. <laughs> so Rav is saying, yeah, there's two things. That's amazing, right? In other words, you know that you're a genius, like Rava, when you can account for every single thing, except for two things. Those are the two things that had him scratching his head. The, 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 why it says seh in the case of Elam Etzias, right, in that context of that pasuk, uh, and why it says chamor according to Rabbi Huda. <laughs> in the context of Bor. That's amazing, right? Okay, so now, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. You, you know the famous story of, um, what was his name? Uh, Zilberstein? Mm-mm. The one that was a Russian refusing, because it's a great story. He was, um, he used to, in Russia, he wasn't allowed to learn. He became a big guttel. He wasn't allowed to learn, but he was like trying to learn Gemara by himself. Obviously, he was a genius, right? But he didn't, uh, he couldn't be caught learning Gemara. So he would tear off each page in the Gemara, and then he would learn one page a day at work, right? And so he learned it, but he learned it a million times because he only had one page per day. So he did real dafyomi, right? He was like learning it in, in very serious, uh, in very serious ways. Uh, but he was only learning one page a day. So if there was a tosfos, he couldn't wait to see the other page when he got to the next page to reconcile different gemaras and tosfos. Anyways, make a long story short, he ended up being incarcerated and he had little pieces of paper. The guy was a genius. He had kashas and all the tosas in, but, but eventually, he, once he went through all shas, he reconciled everything, except for like 12 tosas in all of shas. And these 12 tosas in all of shas bothered him to no end. So he held on to those 12 pages throughout the whole time that he was in jail. And he's like, has these tattered pages and like he's, he's scratching his head. So it reminds me of this because Rava had two drushes in all of Torah that he was still grappling with. So here he had 12 toasts in. Of course, he gets released and he goes to Eretz Yisrael and he goes to the first Jew he sees with the yarmulke, like some, um, you know, at Ben Gurion Airport, like one of the security guards. And he says, what's the shot to these 12 toasts in? Right, because he's assuming any free man would have already worked it out. And it was only because he was in jail that he hadn't had the privilege of knowing shot in these 12 tosasin. And I didn't know what he was talking about. Which side of the page is tosfos? It didn't occur to him, okay, that a person would um, ha- be free to learn. It's a musr, obviously, right? It didn't occur to him that a person would be free to learn it and, not, and walk around not knowing it. Unbelievable. Okay. Five lines up from the bottom, uh, uh, two dots over here. What's going on here? Well, we said that if uh, a shore, it, it, we're going to clarify what this means, but if an ox of cher shot of a cotton falls into a boar, the owner of the pit is chayev. But what's going on, asks the Gemara. My shor cher shot of a cotton. But what does ox have to do with cher shot of a cotton? Are you saying ilema shor shall cher or shor shall shot shor shall cotton? Ha shor shall pikech potter? So again, the Mishnah says that it's a shore of a cher shot of a cotton falls into the bar, Yechayv. Is that what it means? That it's a shore that's owned by Cheresh, Shota, or Katan? That if they fall in, then the owner is Chayv? But if a shore of a uh, right person with the faculties intact falls into a bar, you're going to be Pater? That doesn't make any sense, right? Why would he be Pater? That doesn't make any sense. What, you're only Chayv if the, if the shore that falls in, it belongs to, to somebody without mental faculties? Why would that be? So, no, that's not what it means. It means shore. It's referring to the bull itself, the ox itself. 
Shorshu cherish. Shorshu shota. Shorshu katan. That if the shore itself is clueless, then what? As we turn to the Dalton base, what are you going to say? That a shore should be kech pater? That might be the case. That might make sense. If a shore is really intelligent, if you have a smart shore, so then maybe the shore should have known better, and if it falls into the bore, you're not going to be chayiv. But if you have a dumb shore, then you should, then, then, then you're going to be pater. Or rather, the other way. If the shore is a smart shore, then you should be pater, because the shore should know better. If the shore is a dumb shore, then the shore had no real way of avoiding it, and then the balabar is going to be chayev because, you know, you should have known that, that Barry's ox, no offense, Barry, your ox is a little bit dumb, and, like, Andrew should have known that, and she'd be chayev, because how can you be responsible for that ox's actions? It's a klutzy ox. I'm a Yirmiya, let me buy you kamar. Yeah, but it doesn't, Rehmer says no. What it probably means is not that. It probably means lomi bai. Lomi bai means that not only is a shore that's dumb are you going to be chayef for, but even a smart shore you'll be chayef for, right? Because a smart shore is, is more valuable. Let's see it in the Gemara. Lomi bai shor shabikach lechayef, or the other way. Obviously, if you're going to be chayef, yeah. Obviously, you're going to be chayef for a smart shore falling in, right? If 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 Barry's smart shore falls into Andrew's pit. Andrew's going to have to be high for that shore. But if the ox itself is deaf or out of it, or right, so then that is a shore that's out of it, doesn't know. You might have thought that it's not Andrew's fault that the bull fed, that the ox fell in. Because after all, he's only accounting for normal oxen. He didn't know that this was going to be an, like a brand new ox that doesn't know what's good. And therefore, maybe he should be chayev. Cut nusogarmelo. Maybe because it's so young and inexperienced, it fell in. Billy Potter, and therefore Andrew as the balabor should be Potter. Kamash Malanda. No, that even if the shore is young and it falls in, Andrew's still going to have to pay for that, right? Okay. My love shore bardas. We have a brisa that says that if an intelligent thing falls into the pit, that Andrew is indeed Potter. That that flies in the face of this. Right, Lomi Bai, right? Because we had said that for sure Andrew should be high for an intelligent being. And he should even be high for a non-intelligent shore that falls in, even though it's, it's more likely for it to fall in due to its inexperience. But here it sounds like, no, that he actually, he might be only high for a shore, her, uh, her, as our mission says, but maybe not for an intelligent shore, right? My love shore by thus. It sounds like we're referring to an intelligent shore that for that Andrew should be putter. So the Ravina, Amalei, Lo, Adam. No, when it says Bardas, it means a person. That you're, like we said before, you're not Chayav for Kelim or for Adam. Elamiata, Adam ben Dasu de Potter, Halab ben Dasu de Chayav. Wait, so once you're saying that a person, you're going to say what? That only intelligent people you're going to be Potter for? But if you have a Cher Shot of a Katan falling into the boar, you're not going to be Chayav? So it says, Sure, below Adam Ksiv. But wait a minute. But it says in the Torah that. You, that human beings are excluded entirely from Bor. We already learned that, Russia. So it doesn't matter whether human beings are intelligent or not. They should be excluded from Bor. Elamai ben das, min ben das. Right? So what does it mean, intelligent? It means, right, right it, it refers to a human being. So, wait a minute, any human being, right? Whether is he's personally, min ben das means like a species that is 
capable of intelligence. So any human being would be excluded. That's what he means. However, Racha says, But but look at the Brisa. The Brisa says, okay, so it's going to be sure. But it says an intelligent sure he's Potter for. So how do you understand that? Right? So El Amarava, Wow. So he actually says that that's what it really means. That if that's what our Mishnah means. Again, our Mishnah says that Andrew's going to be Chayev if a Shor uh, that is a Cher Shotar Katan falls in. But if it's an intelligent Shor, indeed, Andrew's going to be Potter. My time. Well, what's the reason? Because an intelligent ox should have looked around and seen where it was going. Wow. I saw an incredible note in the art scroll from the, the quotes of the Me'iri that, you know, we already had said before in Dav Chavzayin that we don't expect even human beings to see where they're going. Why do we expect shore to see where it's going, says the Me'iri? Because the, the shore is always looking down. In other words, human beings are always looking ahead because they're on, standing on their own two feet. And Shvarim are much better at watching where they're going. And therefore, a shore is ironically more, cap- more culp- capable and therefore uh, going to be uh, expected, higher expectations of a shore not falling into a bore than a human being. Unbelievable. Uh, or, or really, right? So a shore would be kech potter. My time is really in the mezel. You should have watched where it was going. Tanya nami hachi. And sure enough, Rava's explanation is supported by Brisa. It says follows. Wow. That if a shore is right out of it and it falls in, Andrew will be chayef if it falls into his pit. But if it's during the daytime, see how the brysa uh, brings in the nighttime also? A smart shark could fall, even a smart shark could fall in at nighttime because it doesn't see it. Isn't that interesting? But broad daylight, smart shore, uh, falls into Andrew's pit, Andrew's putter. He says to Barry, your shark should have known better. Wow. Okay, so now we're at the Mishnah. Says the Mishnah. What animals are included in shore? Let's, let's devote a Mishnah, the last Mishnah in our parak, uh, to all the species that are included. And not only to Nefilah Sabor, but to a lot of other halachas that are included. Which animals of the animal kingdom are included in these halachas? So for Nefilah Sabor, we said that it's going to be, right, um, that, that it's going to be any animal. Ula hafrashas harasina, as Rashi says, right? By Harsin, I had said, everybody stay off the, the mountain, right? Right by Kabbalah Satara. So it says Behema, but really it meant all animals. All human beings and all animals stay off the mountain. If one steals an animal, as Rashi explains, again, the Psukim will always say Shor Vechamor, right? But it's, only gonna, it's also going to include any other Behema, any other Chaya, any other bird, and all those things. Also, right? Even though Hashavah Saveda. Right, doesn't include, as we'll see, we'll see this all in the Gemara. The Gemara is going to explain. It's going to say what the, the Psukim were. By Shavas Aveda, um, right, we'll see which animals are mentioned. But the whole point is that what, whatever animals are mentioned, it really means to include all animals. Lefrika, right, that Pasuk is if you see your buddy's donkey starting to, un, to, to uh, buckle under the burden. So that's Prika. You have to help unload your friend. That only says donkey, but it doesn't mean donkey only. It would be true of a camel or anything like that. Lechasima, you're not allowed to muzzle an animal. While, right? Losachsom shor bedisho. So it only says shor, but it doesn't mean just shor. All kinds of animals are not supposed to be muzzled while they're doing their agricultural work. Lechilaim, right? We know that with kilaim, right, it has the idea that you're not supposed to have your behema, 
right, right, it says by kilayim, don't, don't plow your ox together with your donkey. That's called kilay behema, right? So, but it doesn't mean just ox and donkey, any two species. Ula Shabbos, you're not allowed to have your, what, animal work on Shabbos, right? We say that in, in Kiddush, right? So it has to be a domesticated animal, just a bebtecha. So we'll see on Shabbos. You can't have any of your animals work on Shabbos, and we'll see. So all of these cases apply to an ox or a donkey. Really, all domesticated animals will be applied in all of these uh, um, in all of these contexts as the Gemara, as, and we'll tease it all out of the Gemara. And similarly, right? This would be true. Right, all domestic animals are going to be, with regards to all of these eight contexts, are going to include the chaya, the right, the the undomesticated animal, and the birds. In other words, the animal kingdom is all going to be included in this. Even came mama nemar shor Why do all these psukim mention shor chamor, right, and that kind of thing? Ela should diber hakosav behove. As Rashi says, behove means bedava haragilios. The usual cases, right? The most common cases in, the, in those societies was a donkey and an ox. Those are the animals that you saw running around. But theoretically, right, if uh, Barry is running his Shamu dolphin wonderland, right, he shouldn't be running, working those animals on Shabbos either, right? Okay, says the Gemara. sabor. What about falling to a pit? How do we know it includes all the animals? So let's go back to what we were talking about before. How do we know it includes all animals? Kesef yeshiv levalav ksev. So we already mentioned that. Called isle balim kida amran. Right? As we've already mentioned, anything that has ownership, you're going to be chai for. Okay, let's go to the other lachas. Lafarshas har sinai. So he says, get the animals off this mountain. We're about to have maimar har sinai here. It says, im behema im ish lo If any behema or human being goes on the mountain, you're not going to survive that experience. Says the Gemara, v'chaya v'chal behema avya. We know that when it says behema, even though that's domesticated, it's also included in a wild beast. And and im is lavabos ofos. And im, the word, the very word im is going to teach you birdies also. Okay, really? V'chaya, how is it bechlal behema? Says Rash, the first Rashi in the Gemara, because it says zos behema sher tochlu v'chsiv basrei ayal ayal v'tzvi. If you look at Dvarim Yadal, you'll see that there is a juxtaposition of undomesticated animals to domesticated animals, and therefore we say behema, we mean also chaya. Right, so we mean all the animal kingdom, and once you have im, you have birdies also. That's a shlumei kefa. What if you steal a bird? Because I mean, called varpesh. I'll call varpesha. Says anything that you take. Yeah, so that's going to be everything. The pasuk says, right, an ox, donkey, sheep, or simla. Right, so there you're going to have to return everything. Klal called varpesha. Anything there would be a liability, even if you steal a goldfish, or even if you steal an iPhone, you have to bring that back. Okay, and, and all of those things would be included in, in Kefel. Okay, how about Hashavas Aveda? It says, Hashavas Aveda, the Pasuk says, Lachol Aveda Sachicha. See, we're doing Barry doing a tour through all of Torah here, and we're saying, where, where do we include or not include all kinds of animals or even inanimate things? So, Lachol Aveda Sachicha. Any lost article is going to be, right, uh, is going to be uh, subject to something that you'd have to return. Okay. Lefrika, what about helping your buddy with his buckling donkey? Yalif chamor chamor mi Shabbos. We learned that from Shabbos, okay? And Shabbos, right, it's, we, we already extended it to and we said that that includes everything, all animals. So therefore, uh, chamor, it says chamor here, it says chamor by Shabbos, so therefore 
it includes all animals in regards to buckling under the weight also. L'chasima, what about animals that you shouldn't uh, muzzle while they're working? Yalif Shor Shor Shabbos. That's also Shabbos. So Shabbos says, right, but also in Dvarim Hey Yadalid by Shabbos, Right, so there's a shore there, there's a chamor there, and so anywhere else where there's shore and chamor, you can attach it back to this Shabbos pasuk, and therefore it's going to apply equally there. That's going to be domesticated and undomesticated animals, all living creatures, and the chilaim. There's two kinds of chilaim. One that uh, of isurim. It's a fascinating idea of kilaim. Two ways you can be over kilaim. One way is to make them charisha, to make them plow, work a plow, plow together. That we don't do. Another way is to mate them together, right, and to make a hybrid animal. That we also can't do. So the one of working together, you're going to learn from Shabbos, uh, from Shor Shor, and the one of Harba of mating them together, you're going to learn that from Behema. From Bemtecha, Bemtecha, Beshabbos. Because when it comes to Arva, it says Behema. When it comes to Threshing, it says uh, Shor. And you're going to bring them both, both back to Shabbos, whereas we've said it replies to all living things. But Gabi Shabbos Milan, and ask Namar, how do we know that in Shabbos itself it's talking about all living things? The Tanya, Rabbi Yosi, Yom, Rabbi Shemal, Bidibros, Rishonos, Nemar, Avdachavim, Aschavim, Techa. So this is where we get into a topic where we'll pick up tomorrow the difference between the first set of Aseris Adibros and the second set of Aseris Adibros. As we've already started to mention, the, the Aseris Adibros in Shmos, it says, and that's in the first set of Aseris Adibros. In the Devarim Aseris Adibros, it says, we're going to start, uh, resume tomorrow, where we start talking about the first and the second set of Luchos. This discussion of the first and second set of Luchos uh, will take us till the end of the parak, and Bezat Hashem, we will then uh, 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 analyze that, and once we finish that, we'll have a little bit of a gata, and we will Bezat Hashem finish the parak and start Hakones.